0: This is the Greg Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On v the Sports Betting Network.
3: It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on v Sin, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you as we're going to be going with a lot of baseball in this hour, and then in the final hour, we're going to be going with a little bit of everything. We are going to be hitting upon a little bit of baseball in the final hour, along with NFL and some EPL as well. But this hour, we've got to be taking a look at the MLB post season here in this segment. I'll give you guys my DK nation pick in terms of Yankees versus the Houston Astros. And then in about 15 minutes, we're going to have our baseball round table with Justin Perry. He does great work over at Chat quality bets. And then we've got Sean's role of action network joining me as well. So it's going to be a fun filled chat there. And, Got to give you guys a little bit of Thursday night football down the line as well. So we've got a lot going on and we have got a lot of things to take a look at. But let's dive into this game that we're going to be getting for Thursday. As game one went the way of the Houston Astros, I took the over and it's not very often where you have a total between six and a half and seven go under when you've got five home runs. And well, we're getting a very similar total on this one as the Astros, they're currently finding themselves as between about a minus 150 to a minus 165-ish favorite. I was personally able to say a minus 145 while I was out here at Circa waiting for myself to be able to come on air. So it was actually very good timing on that, and I felt like that was probably going to be the best summer I was going to get on the Astros, and... Right now, it's looking like it is going to be And total on this game. It is seven. Juice is a little bit all over the place. It's been going upwards a little bit. You saw a lot of places offering right around even money to minus 105 on the over right now. DraftKings really the lone soldier in that. Now you're finding it more around minus 110 to a minus 115. But even with the tick up, even at a a 7.5, I'd be willing to take this total over. That is going to be my DK Nation pick. I think that it's very important in handicapping to take a look at not just your losses, but how they lost. Like, I was on the over yesterday, that or I was on the over, I should say, very late Wednesday evening, and it didn't come through, but I mean, if you give me that once again, you give me five home runs with these two teams combined, that is certainly not going to be going under the total, and you also had nine men stranded on base in the first two and a half innings, and I do think that if you get that ordeal once again, you're certainly going to be able to generate some runs. I do think that you've got a pair of pitchers on the mound that they might be willing to allow that to happen. His friend, Frambo Valdez, who's going to be getting the start for the Houston Astros, just has not been in great form, and it's going to be Luis Severino on the other end for the New York Yankees. I'll get into him in a minute, but I think it's very important to point out that with Fran Valdez, his worst work has come at home, which is very strange to say, but for Frambois Valdez, his ERA at home thus far this season has been a 3.52. Meanwhile, his road ERA... That is more in the neighborhood about at 227. So he has been significantly better when he has been on the road. Now, the one thing I will say about Framber Valdez, if you take a look regular season and postseason, he has pitched a combined 92 innings in the city of Houston. He's given up just three home runs, but quite a bit of that, in my opinion, is, we're going to call it what it is, a little bit of luck. Now, he does a great job of being able to miss barrels. He does a nice job of inducing soft contact. Any pitcher that gives up three home runs over the course of 90-plus innings, there's a little bit of a luck factor involved in that, and now he has to go up against a Yankees team that they lead the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. We saw that on display on Wednesday, and on the flip side for the Houston Astros, they're number two in the American League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, and they cranked out three of them, and they're going up against a Yankees team, in which the bullpen just not looking too terrific. They had to go and give Frankie Montas an inning out of the bullpen, which... That turned out as well as you thought it was going to. He gave up a ding-dong at that inning. And then on top of that, you've got on there Lou Trevino. He had to get used up. Clark Schmidt is someone that they had to send out of the bullpen. Jonathan Lewisga has honestly been one of their best guys, so he's going to be a little bit rested, ready to go in this one. But not a lot of faith in this Yankees bullpen right now for the Houston Astros number one team in terms of bullpen ERA in the big leagues for the entirety of the 2021 season, but Rafael Motero, he was used for 30 pitches in game one. They had to trot Ryan Presley out of the bullpen, and you do have Brian who Seth Martinez. These are a pair of guys that are going to be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Ryan Sanic Ryan has been able to do a solid job as well, but for the New York Yankees, got to feel like they're going to be able to cash in on more of these opportunities like they got on game one, and you do have Aaron Judge, who's been... A little bit hot and cold ever since getting moved down from the leadoff spot to the two spot in four games since he got moved down. He does have two home runs, so I do think that that was a net positive for the team. Josh Donaldson at this point is a liability. Two strikeouts on three straight pitches that he looked at. I mean, he didn't swing the bat once, and he struck out on three pitches twice. That is absolutely incredible. That is just absolutely unacceptable, but that said, you do have Harrison Bader, who's been able to do an amazing job for the Yankees. team. seen four home runs here in the postseason. He's been able to step up Isaiah Caner-Falafa, someone that's able to move the line. Jose Trevino's in a little bit of a funk right now at the catcher spot, so is Glaber Torres at the leadoff spot, but Torres, I think, is going to be able to bust out 24 home runs and get 255 during the regular season. And for the Astros, it's been an almighty funk for Jose Altuve. Here in the postseason, he is 0 of 19 at the plate after hitting three hundred during the regular season for 28 home runs. Got to think that he's going to be able to bust out with the bats a little bit. on Alvarez, pair of home runs in that series against the Seattle Mariners. You tell that for much of the, shall we say, second half of the season after the All-Star break, he was a little bit banged up. He was dealing with injuries. He now looks to be at full health, so that is big for this team. You were able to get a home run out of Yuli Curiel in Game 1 along Chaz McCormick, two of your lesser guys, so they're starting to step up as well as the Astros. They were actually the best team in the big leagues this season, playing right around 60% of their games, the under, depending upon your closing numbers, but on these totals, they certainly were not set at a 7 like you're getting here, and for Luis Severino, got my question marks with him as well, as he had quite a stint on the injured list for the second half of the season. Since he's come back, he's not been too bad. Four total starts, giving up seven runs, six of which were earned in the course of 22 and two-thirds innings, but one of those starts it came in the postseason against the Cleveland Guardians. He gave up three runs in that outing, and for Luis Severino, he's a little bit prone to giving up the deep ball, about 1.25 home runs per nine innings as far this season. Now, credit where credit is due, the walks have not been the world's worst issue, about 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings, but once again, he's been not necessarily consistent in terms of being able to deliver a lot of length. Five innings or fewer in three out of his last five starts, so uh, that is something that you have to be a little bit mindful of, especially with a Yankees team that they're dealing with all sorts of, shall we say, bullpen issues. As right now, Clay Holmes has been able to find it for the team, and Wandy Peralta has been relatively okay as well. But outside of those two guys, you really don't have anyone that you can trust in, in my opinion. And then for the Houston Astros, I do think that they are going to be able to jump on, jump on Luis Severino. And when it comes to the money line, this is an intriguing ordeal because if you like the Houston Astros like I do, I would take it right now, the minus 150s that you're seeing, because I set my handicap at a minus 152. Personally, I was willing to lay up to a minus 152. I don't think that they're going to be around for, heck, three more hours, let alone trying to be able to get this at, like, 10 a.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. I think that the number is going to be long gone. Honestly, this could turn into a case where if the Yankees get north of a plus 150, you could have a little bit of value. I personally took my position on the Astros at a minus 145 added out here at Lovely Circus, so that was a nice way to be able to kill a little bit of time before going on air, so we were able to lock in on that, and the write-up is going to be on the over, but I would say that in terms of playing this money line, if you like the Yankees, you probably want to wait, which is very strange to say because typically a lot of the money comes in on the New York Yankees late with public action, what have you, but I think that it could be the exact opposite in this game, and if you miss a vote a little bit with the Astros, I think that you still have a little bit of value in terms of a run line. You're finding that between about a plus 145, actually seeing at a few spots a plus 160, especially if you're able to get a plus 160. I do think that you have value. Typically, I stray away a little bit from taking run lines in the postseason, but I do think that the Astros, they warrant that with their combination of good bullpen pitching along with the fact that they're able to take the ball yard. I took that in game one, and that's something that was able to come through the Astros have been able to do a much better job of covering a lot of these run lines towards the second half of the season as their offense has been able to come alive more and more. So sort of correlates with the fact that I do like the over and I'm going to be writing that up. And I do like being able to take a look at the Astros. If you miss out on the money line, I still think that you've got a little bit of value on the run line, but I wanted that little bit of extra insurance. So I took it early personally. And like I said, if you like the Astros, probably a case in which you do want to be taking a look at this sooner rather than later to put it very politely and then when it comes to just what we're getting in terms of futures market as well because we did see in game number two the uh, San Diego Padres you had the Phillies first five f- thoughts and prayers to you for one but you did see the uh, San Diego Padres be able to nod things up and I do think that it is intriguing from this aspect because we are not going to be getting a game in terms of what we're going to be getting on Thursday between these two. But on Friday, they are certainly going to be back in an action. And I do think that taking a look at the futures board and seeing the San Diego Padres right now at a plus 320 and the Phillies at a plus 330, I would just be looking to bet this game to game. And if you, like me, think that the Astros certainly have a leg up in terms of being able to get to the World Series, I think that'll be tough for the New York Yankees to be able to claw out of a deficit. And Quite frankly, I'm not sure if the Astros go to six games with the New York Yankees. I'm probably going to be looking at the Garrett Cole start and thinking that that is going to be the best opportunity for victory for the New York Yankees. Got to think that that's going to be in Game 3, but I do think that more of the value is going to be on a game-to-game perspective. I'm seeing a little bit of an early line at DraftKings in terms of Padres versus Phillies for Game 3 with Ranger Suarez and Joe Musgrove going at it, and the Padres being right around about a minus 115 favorite with a total on this game of a 7.5. And And the big fear that you've got with the Philadelphia Phillies is that Ranger Suarez has actually pitched significantly worse at home than he has on the road. As a matter of fact, his ERA is more than 1.5 points higher when he is at home rather than on the road. And for Joe Musgrove, we saw him on the road against the New York Mets. He was able to do a rock-solid job on that front. I don't know if I'm going to be necessarily willing to make the San Diego Padres a favorite in this spot, but I don't think that this is necessarily too far off. And I think that you've got a little bit of value in terms of the over as well because with the Philadelphia Phillies, the trepidation that you've got with taking this team is the bullpen. You saw that? Certainly, if you took a look at that first five right And well, it was a hand that slapped away a winner for you. And when it comes to Philadelphia Phillies, David Robertson has been able to do a solid job. Jose Alvarado, he's been better recently, but you even saw him act up in that game against the St. Louis Cardinals in the wildcard round where he gave up the home run can't have a lot of faith there so we shall see how that develops and we got a pair of gentlemen that do a great job of analyzing the great game of baseball Sean Zerrill over there at Action Network and our good friend Justin Perry of Shot Quality Best going to be joining me next here on v the sports Bank Network
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip
4: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: VSIN Pro subscribers get access to the best betting talent in the game. If you have yet to subscribe, VSIN has a mid-season offer to make you a smarter better. Sign up now for just $99 and You'll get VSIM Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl. You get everything that VEASAN has to offer, including 24-7 live shows and subscriber-only betting guides to the college football bowl season and the Super Bowl, all for less than the normal monthly rate. Plus, VEASAN subscribers are getting season prep guides to everything in terms of the NHL, NBA, World Cup, and so much more. It is the best bet in the game. $99 gets you VSIM Pro all the way through the Super Bowl. Sign up at VEASAN.com. Slash Subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Veasan the Sports Bank Network. Being joined by a nice round table of guests as it is the best time of year when it comes to taking a look at baseball. And Justin Perry is someone that has joined me quite a bit on this show. Does great work over at Shot Quality Bets. And then you've also got Sean Zerillo. He does amazing work over at Action Network. They are getting configured right now. We're going to be going to them in a second as. I know that this is going to be just an absolutely incredible banger in terms of what we're going to be getting in the postseason. And I will lead off with you on this one, Justin. What have you made just out of the beginning few games of the NLCS and the ALCS? Because I felt like if the Philadelphia Phillies would not have blown that lead, it would have been pretty much curtains for the San Diego Padres. And I think that that was just a big momentum shifter that Aaron Nola in general just, well, he couldn't get out of the fifth inning. And then Brad Hand was... The hand that slapped away a winner from you if you had the Philadelphia Phillies.
4: Oh man, how many times have we heard Brad Hand and the Phillies get run into some trouble? Uh, Look, I was was on the Padres tonight, so very happy with the result, I will say. But nonetheless what we saw was maybe one of the biggest swings yet of the postseason you're sitting there with two outs phillies just with a chance to escape looking really good in nola's start here against the padres and of course it just uh can't get it done but i don't know i'm really excited for the series now i'm i was almost hoping for this padres win, not only for my bets but of, of course but uh you know just for some good baseball right like Going into Philly down 0-2 for the Padres would have been pretty rough, and I'm really excited to see that Philly crowd after, you know, that 11 years. They look great playing their uh, their first-round games there in Philadelphia. I think that Philly crowd comes back out. I like like Philly to advance, but uh, I think at least now we'll have a good, fun competition the whole way down.
3: Yep, and I do think that this is a little bit correlated as well because I think the biggest way for the Phillies to be able to advance in this series is they're going to need to get to the starting pitching early, which I think is going to be very tough against Joe Musgrove in Game 3. Now, when it comes to Game 4, both of these teams have a little bit of an issue on their hands as you saw the Phillies have to trot out their Noah Thor syndergaard for a few innings, and then from there, it's just a poo-poo platter of guys And for the San Diego Padres. We saw what Mike Clevenger did against the LA Dodgers, so... Not terrific there, but in terms of Padres versus Phillies, do you sort of correlate it a little bit? And I'll go with you, Justin, and then we will go to Sean on this after that. But, Justin, in terms of the series between the Padres and the Phillies, do you correlate it a little bit to where overs boat a little bit better for the Philadelphia Phillies and vice versa, unders boat a little bit better for the Padres? <laughs>
4: yeah I mean I think just in general you are looking that way again there is a lot of merit for an over just in general with these teams I think the National League has been a little bit better for those overs we've seen a lot of games the Phillies especially their bullpen isn't really as dependable as maybe some of the other teams in the competition still so I like the over for the Phillies just in terms of the likelihood of the game getting to that point Um, in terms of like who it really affects and like if the over is more like correlated to the Phillies winning I think it might be a little bit that way but not not too crazy nothing too standoffish for me there
3: and then I'll throw this at you Sean as I do think that is really interesting to take a look at this series between the Padres and the Phillies because I do think that higher scoring games typically do vote a little bit better for the Phillies we did see the over come through and the Padres were able to get it done there and it's certainly a little bit more matchup you match up dependent because Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, they're going to be getting another turn through the rotation if the series goes to five-plus games, which you got to figure that. We're going to be seeing both of those guys, in my opinion. But when it comes down to it, I do think that for the Phillies, the big key for them in this series is just being able to jump on these Padres starters because I think the Padres' biggest advantage in this series is a bullpen.
5: the biggest key is going to be whether they can get out on pitches in the zone. The Padres swung at fewer pitches than any other team in baseball after the trade deadline. Once they got Juan Soto and Josh Bell on board. So very patient offense. Ranger Suarez is a guy who can nibble, get a lot of people on base, get into bases loaded situations and then have to get out of it. does get a lot of weak contact ground balls, double plays, things like that to aid him. So Definitely think Ranger Suarez, if he's able to get called strikes in Game 3, that will be determinative of how his night goes, how long he's in there.
3: Yep, absolutely, and I do think that we're going to be set up for a really good Game 3, which I know that we're going to be hitting on the other side, and Justin, when it comes to the flip side, because we've been talking a lot about the National League side of things in terms of the American League, what did you make out of Game 1 between the Yankees and the Astros? Because with the Yankees, you're going to go get a pair of home runs, and... I feel a little bit salty being on an over that doesn't come through when you get five home runs. That's not something that happens very often, but when it comes to the New York Yankees, I do think that they've got a chance to be able to steal a game or two in this series, especially when Garrett Cole is going to be taking the mound, but it just, to me, appears to be a little bit of a mismatch overall for the series with the Houston Astros, just in terms of pitching depth.
4: Yeah, you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit on the show with these roundtables leading into this inevitable series. The Astros that 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 lineup is scary enough and then you get into the rotation the Yankees are definitely in trouble. I thought tonight had a little bit of a we're just happy to be here type of vibe for the Yankees and I think it was pretty palpable. A lot of people were on the Astros to get it done. Verlander as you mentioned you know let up a couple home runs, uh, or just the one to you but know, the Astros letting up a couple home runs and only surrendering two is just an unfortunate scenario for the Yankees. I think as we continue into the series, we will see some men on base. I do like the Yankees to bounce back in game two. I mean, they have targeted this game. This is the one they have to get, go back to the Bronx with one game, three in the Bronx, hopefully get it done, uh, or at least send it back to Houston with some pressure. I, I think the Yankees can still maybe pull out a little bit of a surprise. They did go into that game, of course, with a rest disadvantage. Hopefully things start to even out, get that win behind Cole. He has looked great in the postseason. Still a little bit of that revenge factor here with the Astros. And I mean the Yankees gotta beat them sometime, right? Like something's gotta give, hopefully. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of bias for me, but uh look go Yanks, and I think that we should put up a good fight tomorrow.
3: Yep, yeah, and when it comes to the New York Yankees as well, I just think that. The bullpen disparity between they and the Houston Astros is very prevalent. Astros, during the regular season, number one team in terms of bullpen ERA. And how much does that play into your handicapping just of the series in general and overall for the entirety of the rest of the postseason, Sean? Because I do take a look at the Astros, and we're talking a lot about bullpens, and we talked about that quite a bit in terms of Padres versus Philly series. And I think that this is one of the biggest mismatches that the Astros have against anyone else. They're just deeper in terms of their overall pitching not just with the starting rotation, but also in that pen.
5: Yeah, I make them about two-tenths of a run game per better than the Yankees' bullpen, which is fairly significant when, in terms of projecting out a bullpen when you get those smaller ranges, but definitely have them on the higher end, up there with where I had the Dodgers, up there with where I had the Braves, all sub-three, everybody else probably closer, that's left in the playoffs anyway, closer to 3.2, so... Pretty big gap there. Certainly view Houston as the most well-rounded team left. I think they should be the World Series favorite, especially up now 1-0 in their championship series. I had added an AL pennant future on them before the playoffs started around plus 175. At this point, looking at how the Yankees stack up for Game 2, though, I think I'm going to have a bet on their side. I definitely projected this Game 2 line closer to a pick'em. so seeing around plus 135 on the Yankees side definitely looks like it's going to be a bet for me
3: and we've actually seen this go higher and higher with the Astros as well because the Astros, they started out here where I was sitting at circa at a minus 145. This has gone here at circa to a minus 158, so that has certainly been ballooning, and I know you mentioned that you've got a little bit of an Astros pennant future. Would you recommend any futures right now, Sean, or would you look to go a little bit game-to-game because I'm more of a game-to-game guy to start with, and I think that at this point, a lot of the value in terms of the futures market is just gone with it being so late in the season.
5: You're, or I'd take the series price and roll it over, you know, even at around minus minus one oh five, I think there is some value on the Phillies and their series price right now. I would make that closer to 53%. So just a smaller edge. But with games, the next three games at home, having a chance to win it at home, I think there is an edge on the Phillies, basically playing a best of five with three games at home at this point. What I really like for the Phillies, though, is still their minus one and a half game spread. And they're winning exactly six games number with Willard Nola going one more time. Each just needed to split one of the next two games and win both of the games that they're pitching in order to seal that series up. So if I'm showing value in that Philly series line, before the series, I was showing value also in their winning six games number. I would assume it's still there at this point, as long as you shop around.
3: Yep. And you can obviously do a little bit of a forecast as well, like. Astros knocking off the Phillies in the World Series, something of that nature as well, to be able to maximize Then We're going to look to maximize your game-to-game betting as well in terms of the postseason. As coming up next, we're going to be talking to Sean along with Justin about Game 2. of.
5: You're
4: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the sports betting network.
3: All sports are in full swing, and BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you are a football, hockey, basketball, or baseball fan, BetRivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Friday Night College Football Bet Plus Get, Sunday Night Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. Being rejoined by Sean role does great work over at Action Network and Justin Perry over at Shock Quality Bets. And we took a little bit of a broad view of things in the last segment. Now let's dive into a few games as I'm seeing a line right now out there on the NLCS. We'll get into that in a minute since that's a game for Friday as this is going to be the one for Thursday. Yankees versus Astros with Romber Valdez going for the Astros, Luis Severino on the bump for the Yankees. And... We saw the Yankees open up right around a plus-130. I'm seeing a size a plus-146 out there in some spots, about as low as a plus-135 with the Astros, between minus-150 to a minus-155. How are you going to be playing this one, Sean? Because typically with the Yankees being such a public team, typically it's a spot where you'd want to take them right away, and if you wanted the other team, you'd wait until first pitch, but we're actually seeing the exact opposite right now. Yeah, you know, I... Don't know how high this is going to go. I
5: want to take the Yankees. I just want to get the best of the number. And I feel like typically when I've shown value on a side in these playoffs, it's either held steady. The line has or eventually moved towards my side rather quickly. So I've wanted to jump on these lines early. I am going to bet up, end up betting the Yankees here either way, projected this line in both halves closer to plus 110, So I'll definitely be on that. The total I would put near to six and a half. So I might be looking at an under two. I think Luis Severino has been underrated for most of the season. From Valdez always gives you an honest effort each time out, and he does counteract the Yankees' fly ball and home run tendencies. So could see this being an under game. Don't think the bullpens got pushed too aggressively on either side tonight. It's definitely looking at the under and the Yankees. Just want to make sure I get the best price.
3: Yep, man. Speaking of not having the bullpen suppressed, you saw Frankie Montas pitch an inning for the New York Yankees. If you see him in another high leverage spot here in the postseason, that'll be a shock to me because, well, that was not too terrific. And Justin, I know that you've got a little bit of vested interest in terms of the Yankees as well. Take me through what you're looking at in terms of Yankees versus the Houston Astros for Thursday.
4: Small, small, small vested interest. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that this is going to be a pretty solid opportunity. For the Yankees to bounce back after a game one that I think a lot of people were expecting them to drop. Um, They still definitely should feel good uh, getting a couple home runs off of Verlander and co. I think that coming against Framber Valdez definitely won't be. That much easier. It is probably a bit less of a challenge. But Valdez looked awesome uh, in, in like, you know, the end of the year for him. He brought the walks down a lot. It's, it's going to be tough for the Yankees to get anyone on base. Same way we saw they might have a couple solo bombs. You know, maybe looking at three runs, it's going to be tough to take a Yankees team total over for me. But I think they definitely have a chance on that under to sneak away with a win. Low scoring game, three to two, three to one type of victory for the Yankees is how I see it. I'm going to be playing them with the under. I don't think that uh you know they're really gonna have a chance if this one starts getting high scoring because that probably means that uh their their pitchers are getting lit up and not the other way around i just i respect Valdez a lot so i'm probably either looking for a uh a combination of that yankees money line with maybe a you know maybe a, an all under if you're looking for like a same game parlay type thing but i do tend to think this game continues to stay or the series continues to stay under
3: and I'll throw this at you, Justin, as well, because you were talking about perhaps an alternate under. Would perhaps maybe a little bit of a dance partner if you're looking for a same-game parlay or if you're just looking to reduce the juice in general in terms of if you like the Astros or something like that. Might that be from Valdez in terms of their outs record? Because right now I'm seeing that at 15.5 with the juice at a minus 130. And from Valdez has completed at least five innings in each out of his last 29 starts. Now, I recognize that there are no locks here in the world or anything like that, and you can always see some sort of fluky injury, but this just seems low in terms of the outs prop, even though it is a postseason.
4: I think that the reason you're seeing the line where it's at is probably some expectation that the Astros approach this game with the idea that Valdez might be able to be used again, in the series as a starter, and they might limit him in hopes of him going on shorter rest. Uh, again, it's it's a tough game to play right strikeouts outs right now with these pitchers there are no guarantees with how short or long the hook might be valdez may have earned a little bit more respect than most pitchers remaining in the series uh we have so yeah i like i like the over on the strikeouts as well the you know the yankees are swinging and uh you know they're gonna they're gonna keep trying to go for the fences here in houston
3: and I know that Wes and Femi on the show before me live bet tonight, they mentioned this. Sarah Langs tweeted this out. 17 strikeouts for the New York Yankees in game one. Two for the Houston Astros. The second biggest disparity in a playoff game in history. And Sean, I'll throw this to you as well. In terms of like a From Valdez out prop or maybe a different prop, is there something that you'd be looking at? Because I do think that playing player props In the postseason, it is significantly harder than in the regular season. That said, if I would be looking at anything, I do think that Valdez, even though it is the postseason, over 15 and a half outs, with the way that he has been rolling this year, does seem like something that has some value.
5: Yeah, that would have been the one that I would say to target as opposed to a strikeout prop. It is exceedingly difficult to project out these strikeout props because you don't know whether guys are going to go once through the order and come out come out at the first time in trouble, what have you. I would say in the playoffs, always lean to the strikeout prop unders unless you have a pretty good reason to take an over. Definitely snuck away what felt like with a win on Aaron Nola's strikeout prop over today because he got it in the last batter that he faced before he came out. So always have to be careful with those. But the Aaron Savale strikeout under the Noah Syndergaard strikeout unders In games where you see that these guys' elimination games are probably going to go once through the order, those are your most lucrative opportunities.
3: Yeah, if you could have gotten a little bit more in terms of the Aaron Savali strikeout prop under and just made it the Oats prop under instead, you you would have probably done quite well there as well. As That was not the world's greatest start. And we've got a line currently out for Friday as well in terms of NLCS Game 3, Padres versus Phillies with Rangers Juarez hitting the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies, and for the Padres, it is going to be Joe Musgrove. Sean, I know you do a great job of projecting these out a little bit in advance. Where do you stand on this game? Because right now with the Padres, find them as the slightest of slight favorites between like minus 110, minus 115 with a total of 7.5, and I do think that this is a fascinating spot because Ranger Suarez has had his struggles at home, but at the same time, I do think that you need to give a little bit of credence to home field advantage in this one as well, so I do think that this is a pretty accurate line.
5: Right. I would favor the Padres on a neutral field here it would make them a bigger favorite at home. But with the Phillies home field advantage, have them as slight favorites, minus 101 on the first half, minus 104 for the full game. So if I got around a plus 104, plus 105 or better on the Phillies, I would certainly bet them for game three, even though I mentioned I do have some concerns about Ranger Suarez and his ability to get strikeouts, to not throw up a bunch of walks against this very patient offense. So... Things that I will look to bet to probably play play against Ranger in that start, his walks prop over, his outs prop under, and maybe his strikeout total under as well. I would probably be least inclined to play that though compared to the other ones. Definitely think he could rack up a very high pitch down here, and the Phillies make it into that bullpen fairly early.
3: Yeah, but to your point, the start they had against the Atlanta Braves did not necessarily go as planned for him as well. And then I'll throw this to you. Justin as well, because I know that Sean was talking about fading a little bit of Ranger Suarez, and I do agree with him here, because I personally do like this total over. I do think that the Padres are able to get to him early, and this is a Phillies bullpen that, as we saw on Wednesday, not necessarily one that you can trust And Do you have any sort of leans on this one? Because I do think that, of everything I like, it's the over.
4: Yeah, no, I was going to say, my lean's the over. I think Suarez has had some issues. We've seen his, you know, his expected woba rise. Over the last couple of outings, it hasn't been great. You know, you could be on the side of oh, well, you know, should positively regress, and it's the playoffs, short leash, and all that's great. But you know, I definitely do think it gives us a a better window into an overhitting, into some of those under props on the outs, on the strikeouts, just because he could have a very quick leash uh, if the pitching staff is is up on on their uh, research. They know that Ranger has been a little bit of a liability, but they don't have other options, right? This, this Phillies pen isn't exactly one that you can rely on. So they might give Ranger a bit more of a leash and that could lead to runs. So yeah, I'm looking here for the Padres team total over. And then if you like the Phillies, I think you got to play it with the over. They're going to have to beat this team in a slugfest if they want to win behind Ranger. And, and, you know, you say that and you're sitting there like, Oh man, now I'm probably going to walk into like a two to one game. But this has really been a little bit more of a high-scoring side of the bracket. The Phillies' offense is pretty legit. We saw Schwarber rock one, and we also know that you know the guys on the Padres' side do have some pop as well. So I'm looking for maybe that first five over. Honestly, I know usually we like first five unders, but I do tend to think that we could see the Padres come in and lock down the second half of this game from their side in the bullpen. So early overs, Padres' overs, favor the Phillies.
3: And also, keep in mind, Padres nearly five runs per game on the road. So I do like that as well, and I always love getting you aboard here, Justin. You do amazing work at Chuck Pauly Betts, and Sean, you do amazing work at Action Network. Both of those guys, they do incredible work taking a look at the game of baseball. Coming up next, we'll pivot to college basketball. Take a look at the Summit League here on V-CIN Esports Bank Network.
0: Yes. You're experiencing Hoops
4: Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Compete for cash and a grand prize trip to lovely Las Vegas with the Modelo Fight to the Top Series. Enter into nine free fantasy football contests and rise to the top of the leaderboard. Claim your share of five thousand dollars in weekly prizes and the grand prize trip here to lovely Las Vegas. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash NFL. Now to get in on the action. Modelo, the official beer for fans with a fighting spirit, 21 years or older. Terms the conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply to DraftKings.com for details. For usual, please do drink responsibly. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Great to talk some baseball with Justin Perry of Shock Quality Bets along with Sean Zeroux of Action Network. Great to be able to dive in there, and we have certainly served baseball for this one, and we're going to be talking some NBA in our number three. We're going to have Brad Thomas of NBC Sportsbet, along with Scott Reichel, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They're going to be joining me, so we're really going to be serving a little bit of everything. We've already hit up on the UFC, the NFL, the NBA, and college football. We're going to be hitting a little bit of college basketball in this segment. We're going for a little bit of EPL in the final hour. We're going for some NBA I am sorry. I do not have anything on women's flat track roller derby. If you can find me some odds and you can find me a guest, I will certainly talk about that for you. Heck, I know that while this was a weekend show as well, we were talking a little bit of Formula One. As I always say, money is money. It doesn't matter what market you're in. Obviously, your limits on like Formula One probably going to be a little bit less than you're going to be finding on the Super Bowl in February, but still, anything that you're able to make money on, it is worth talking about. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of money to be made in terms of college basketball this season as we've been taking a look at darn near a conference a day recently. We broke away from that a little bit yesterday because the AP Top 25 poll that came out and we had the Big East Media Days go on a little bit earlier this week as well. So let's take a look at a conference where I've been able to find quite a bit of money in recent years by doing something that is typically the opposite of what I do. Typically when it comes to betting college basketball, I take a look at a lot of unders. You really can't do that in this conference, and it is the Summit League, a league that has been won by the South Dakota State Jackrabbits in recent years. Each of the last five years, they've gotten at least a share of first place, and I always say you got to take the Ric Flair mentality. In order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, and even though South Dakota State, they do lose quite a few pieces from last season. I was talking about Creighton yesterday and how I upgraded them for adding Baylor Shireman, one of the biggest transfers in all of college basketball, a guy that averaged over 16 points per contest, six foot six, buries over forty-five percent of his threes. But with that said, you still have two of the better three-point shooters in all of college basketball. Their names are Alex Arians and Charlie Easley. Both of these guys ranked in the top five. In terms of qualifying three-point shooters last season, as Aaron shot 49.3% from three-point range, easily shot more around 50% from three-point range, and then you bring in Luke Apple. He was able to shoot about 60% from the floor last season, Matt Detlinger. You may recall during the 2019-20 season, he was in the top 25 in terms of overall field goal shooting percentage. South Dakota State... It's just a machine in terms of efficiency. They shot overall 43.7% from three-point range. That was the best mark in all of college basketball. And one other team, that would be a toothpaste in Colgate, was the only other that shot above 39.2% from three-point range. This team was absolutely tremendous. And even with teams like Gonzaga in existence, this was still one of the top teams in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. And I believe that they were actually number one. In that aspect, just sheer points scored on a per-possession basis. This team is a flamethrower when it comes to their offensive production. And what I think is very fascinating, and just taking a look at the Summit League as well, how bad the defenses are, because it's a little bit two pronged. Because whenever you're taking a look at like a football game or something like that, whenever you've got tremendous offense, typically it's paired with bad defense and vice versa. When you see a butt-ugly game out there on Thursday Night Football, and I mean, we've seen the Broncos on prime time, and the reason why Broncos games are so ugly is because, for one, Russell Wilson has not been worth the worth of $240 million, and Nathaniel Hackett is someone that is not qualified to be an NFL coach, and that's about as politely as I could put it, but also, the Broncos, where the credit is due, is that they are one of the best defenses in the NFL. They've been able to do a very solid job on that front. No qualms about it. The Denver Broncos, they've got a Super Bowl defense. The offense, well... And it's currently in the toilet bowl for them, which that's not too t- terrific. And you take a look at this conference, and each of the bottom three teams in the country in points allowed on a per possession basis came from this conference last year, which I find to be absolutely befuddling. North Dakota, St. Thomas, Nebraska Omaha, 356, 357, 358. In terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, and boy oh boy, it was bad. All three of these teams allowed more than 113 points per 100 possessions. No other team gave up more than 112.7, and that would be incarnate word, and nobody else broke 112. So that shows you just how terrible the defense is in this conference. And as a result, like I was saying, if you're looking for a conference of bet overs in, it is a Summit League. You're not going to be finding any sort of a fall-off in terms of offensive numbers because one of the top scores in all of college basketball, he is back, and his name is Max Aismith. Many of you guys know this name because he was a part of that Oral Roberts team that was able to go to the Sweet 16 flamethrower score that has ranked at the top 10 in terms of points per game each out of the last two seasons, one of the better three-point shooters that you're going to find as well. And what you just find in this conference is that you do actually have a couple teams that they look to play slower. It's not because they're playing super up-tempo that St. Thomas was finding themselves towards the bottom of the fold in terms of defense. It's actually vice versa, and what I think is so interesting in college basketball is that you've got a couple of these teams. Bellarmine is one that really comes to mind. Many of you guys may remember they were the team that they won the Atlantic Sun tournament, but they were unable to go to the NCAA tournament due to moving up a level, and we've actually found this a lot. In terms of these transitionary teams coming up from the non-D1 level to the D1 level, they play super-duper slow. They actually do a solid job on offense. St. Thomas was a top 75 team in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. They were able to put the ball in the basket, but they were second-worst in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Bellarmine, who I mentioned before, out of 358 D1 teams, they ranked 353rd in terms of total total possessions per game. And for the Tommies of St. Thomas, they were one of your lesser teams in terms of total possessions per game as well. 284th in the country. So I do think that that's a little bit striking now. You certainly are going to have some teams that are going to be willing to play up-tempo in this conference. Nebraska-Oma, they're a bunch that they were looking to run it and gun it. They were 68th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. And you're also dead last in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. That's not necessarily a good blend. Oral Roberts actually throttled down a little bit last season. In terms of total possessions per game, they were 36. That was down about a full possession per game from what they were during the 2020-21 season. I think a little bit of that had to do with the fact that they lost Kevin O'Banner from last season. And while I do have South Dakota say being able to repeat, I do think that Oral Roberts, an interesting team as well, and one that if they get into a conference tournament setting, you don't want to go up against them because... They've got a seven foot three gentleman by the name of Connor Vanover. He is coming over from Arkansas. He actually began his career at California. He's seven foot three, and while he was at California, he was a mid thirties three point shooter. Needs to work on defense and rebounding. Someone who's saying seven foot three should be probably pulling in a double digit amount of rebounds per contest. He needs to work a little bit on that effort, but that is going to be able to help them out. And I actually do like what I saw. Out of St. Thomas to Tommy's last season, they were one of the very rare cases because a lot of these teams that they they transition, they go from D2 to D1. I honestly think that the talent gap between D3 to D2 is bigger than that of D2 to D1 when it comes to mid-majors, obviously. A D2 school trying to go up against Gonzaga, they're just going to get absolutely destroyed. But the one team that I've taken a look at to be able to rise up in this conference this season, it's because they've got someone that is out of sight, out of mind. That would be South Dakota the Coyotes, because with South Dakota, they've got a guy by the name of A.J. Plyswit. He averaged 19 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.9 assists per contest during the 2020-21 season. Lost the final three games of that season due to injury. Missed all of last season, but he and now Cruz Petty Hunt are going to be able to match up. Pettio Hunt was able to give you 14 points, four boards, two and a half assists per contest. Last season, they weren't really able to pair up two seasons ago. You put these two guys out there on the same court and a South Dakota team that... Is really one of the few teams that are able to give you any sort of pulse on defense whatsoever that is really gonna be able to make the South Dakota team, in my opinion, relatively solid. They've also got Tazos Combatetos. He's someone that's six foot eight. He along with Mason Armichalt were able to average 26 points, nine boards, four and a half assists. They shot 389 percent from three-point range. Good versatility with these teams. So the biggest takeaway here from the Summit Lake, don't mess with the champs at South Dakota State. And if you're looking for a conference of Bed Overs and the Summit League, it was a very good one for it as you just take a look at how these teams fared last season. Nebraska, Omaha, Oral Roberts, Denver, they all played at least 60% of their games to the over. There was no team that played fewer than 46% of their games to the over, and there were only three teams that played fewer than 50% of their games to the over. And the pro tip for this hour, visacom slash subscribe, other than playing overs in the Summit League, is that when it comes to basketball. A little bit of in-game betting when it comes to a, a sport that I'll be talking about in hour number three, the NBA. Take it a look in-game. It can provide you with some good value. There's lots of volatility. There's lots of runs. Use those to your advantage. And don't drive in pre-flop. You can get a good feel of the game in-game. And coming up in hour number three, we're going to lead off with Thursday Night Football here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v and the Sports Bank Network.
1: Bet River Sportsbook app has a huge number of live streaming events every day. Bet River Sportsbook has great offers, including a $250 match bonus on your first deposit. And all bonuses are only one-time playthrough. Amazing offers and great customer service makes Bet Rivers your hometown sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Sportsbook. Must be
2: Sumo Play.